He told me this one was for singing, so take that away. <laughs> All right, uh, my name's Kevin Lewis. I'm an alcoholic. And my sobriety birthday is March 17, 2001. And I am a member of the Came to Believe group of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, located in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. So we meet on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays uh, at 7 o'clock. So if you find yourself in uh, Rocky Mount, uh, we'd be more than happy to have you at our meeting. And if you want to make a special trip, I would recommend the last Friday of each month. That's our only open meeting. It's an open speaker meeting, the last Friday of each month. And I can guarantee you, you will hear a great speaker. Uh, there's at least, by my count, a dozen uh, attendees here at this conference today that have been uh, speakers at our group, including our most recent speaker, uh, Jerry, and our upcoming speaker, uh, Madeline. So if you get a chance to, to come, we'd be happy to have you. Thank you. <laughs> for Madeline, but anyway. Well, it could have been Jerry, but anyway. Um, I was told that uh, I have two uh, objectives here this afternoon. Number one, I'm supposed to keep you from falling asleep since you've already eaten this afternoon, so we're going to try not to take any naps in here. And I was told that uh, my topic is helping others. And so what I want to do is I just want to tell you a little bit about uh, my drinking and, and how I was helping uh, I would say I would stop at the word helping when I was drinking because I was m mostly helping myself instead of helping others. And then what happened and then how I've tried to be uh, helpful to others uh, today. Uh, I will tell you that um, I'm from a small town in northeastern North Carolina, Hoskin, North Carolina. Some of you might know what that is. Uh, there's a lot of drinking goes on in that town, or it was when I lived there. Uh, but I was not raised in a home um, that had alcohol in it. The only alcohol we had in our house, there was a, my mama had a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels that she used to make some cough medicine with on occasion. That was the only alcohol we had. And so I understand that uh, there were heavy drinkers in my family tree, my own father. Uh, I understand had a spiritual experience through a church when I was two years old, and I never knew him to drink uh, after that. Uh, consequently, I was uh, raised in the church from the time I was in the nursery. You know, I was uh, the youngest of three children, and uh, I often tell that, uh, you know, I, I, I like to call myself a pure alcoholic. They, you know, the big book says we're hardly such a thing, but uh, my drug problem involved being drugged to church. I was drugged to church uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and potentially other nights during the week. And uh, so I knew, I knew what religion was. Um, I knew what God was, and I believed in God. Uh, but I did not have a spiritual experience uh, in a church. By the time I uh, started drinking, I was a teenager. I don't remember exactly. Um, some older guys, had, I think it was like some Boone's Farm wine was, was what my first drink was maybe. Um, but certainly by the time I was 16 years old, I had developed a taste for uh, Miller High Life and Jim Beam. Uh, why Miller High Life? Because a girl uh, that I worked with 
boyfriend drove the Miller truck, so you could get it by the case. Uh, you could go right straight to the source. You know. So, uh, you know, I liked it. It was the champagne of beers, and I thought, well, that was just, you know, that suited me just fine, you know. And Red Winston's, you know, that, that was just a, a complete uh, package for me. And, uh, and it won't long once I started drinking that I was drinking to get drunk. You know, I just, uh, I can't really describe, or at least at that time, I couldn't describe, you know, how I felt around other people, because I've always been somewhat of, uh, you would say that I was an extrovert. I might have been loud and boisterous, uh, but inside I was the exact opposite. I was, I was terrified uh, of people and interacting with other people. Uh, but, but people looking on didn't see that in me, that's the way I felt. But that changed uh, once I was introduced to, to alcohol. Um, and alcohol did a lot of good things for me. There, there, was a, uh, there was a movie that came out a few years ago, and the name of it, y'all may have seen it, it's called something like the, the 40-year-old virgin. Anybody ever heard of that movie? And if it hadn't been alcohol, that might have been me, you know. Uh, it's, it's alcohol opened a lot of doors uh, for me. And, and you're not going to give up something like that that brings that much joy. And, um, and so, but my, you know, unlike a lot of people that I have met uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, my drinking, I never went to a treatment center. Um, I, I always tried to keep, quit drinking on my own. Something would happen. I woke up in jail in, when I was the week after I graduated, graduated from high school, drunk driving, down in Dare County, North Carolina. And that's the first time that I recollect swearing it off. I'm never going to do it again. And for 20 years, over and over and over again, you know, that, that was my, my drinking story. Uh, I didn't drink every day. Uh, I, I, was, I, I could quit drinking and stay away from drinking for a period of time. It might be till next weekend, or it might be several weeks. Uh, never really much more than that. And I would always just, uh, and if members of my home group are here, and they, they've heard these stories over and over again, but, but it's, I don't know any other way to say it. I'll say this, there's three people here today that were in my home group when I came in. That's, that's one thing I like about Alcoholics Anonymous is it, it's gonna be, I could leave today and come back 10 years from now and there would be familiar faces in here. Now, not wood, I hadn't left and come back. I, I, as, as Wallace says, I, I don't keep coming back, I stayed here. And so that, I would encourage that as well. But um, that, was, that was the way I drank. I, I would drink, I would have consequences, and I would swear it off. And that, oftentimes, that would involve uh, crime, it would involve begging and pleading. You know, the, the big book talks about swearing it off with and without oath. I mean, that, that, that was me. That, that's the way, way I drank. Um, I, I said I was, you know, I went a period of years from the time I graduated from college to the time I moved back to my hometown that I was not, I was not going to church. But when I was back into my hometown and, and, and working a professional job in the community, I felt like I needed to, you know, be at my church. Um, and so I, I was uh, a member of a church and attended a church. Um, and I would go to revivals 
and I would just eat up with all the guilt, you know, because I would, the things that I was doing, you had to drink to live with yourself. That's the way I felt about it. And I would go to a revival. And I'll tell you what, Jimmy Swagger don't have nothing on me. I could walk down that aisle with the tears just streaming down my face. And I could tell that preacher some half-truths. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, as the previous speaker said, I was told to go and sin no more. And I would go and sin no more for a few days or a few weeks. And, uh, and then I'd be right back to drinking. I just, I would get this, this feeling would come over with me. I'm a grown man. I can have a drink. It's going to be different this time. I've got it. And so that, that's the way I drank. And, uh, you know, I got married to a, uh, I, I don't want to call her a drinking buddy of mine, but I was drunk the first time we met. And uh, I don't know if it's one of these situations where, you know, she thought she was going to change me or, or whatever, but... Uh, you know, I thought she was lucky to have me. Uh, <laughs> you, you know how you see things and how things really are, are you know, are completely opposite in my, in my case at least. And uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, what a, what a blessing I had that that uh, that person would would want to marry me. And uh, and then I just, uh, you know, abused that relationship. And uh, you know, we were together from start to finish, about 11 years. And um, during that time, it was, you know, I spent a lot of money on, on making up gifts, you know, from things I had done. I bought a, I spent $500 on a dog from the, you remember when you used to have pet stores at the mall? I bought a $500 dog from the Crabtree Valley Mall uh, to, to make up for another thing I had ruined. And, uh, you know, I was going to school at that time. You know, I was, I don't know how things are for students today, but when I was going to school, they would loan you being cigarette money. You know, I had, I, I, that's the most, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, flexible, free-spending income I had was when I was a student, you know. And, uh, of course, you know, consequently, I was 50 years old before I paid my student loans off. But. <laughs> And I spent a lot of money on getting out of trouble, not necessarily with the law, but just, you know, with, with, with people and relationships and family. And uh, I was just, it was all about me. Uh, I remember one time I was a freshman in college. And uh, I was, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. And the, the parents' day weekend, my, my parents came. And they were in there, I was in the dormitory, and they were knocking on the door, and I was in there passed out drunk. And I don't know, it was maybe an hour later, I came to and looked out the window, and they're sitting in the parking lot in the car waiting for me. Now, I don't know what lie I told, you know, I had drank some cough medicine or some crap like that, you know, and I thought they bought it, you know, I don't know, I just, I just thought I fooled everybody. But anyway, I was, I was just a selfish, self-centered person and so it got to the point though if if I was drinking with you you liked drinking with me because I won't want to, I was one of these that made sure that nobody ran out if there was if you didn't have any money I was gonna make sure you had a drink I was gonna make sure you had cigarettes and it won't I thought it was because I was such a good guy and a good friend even though you were a stranger and, and just a, a, a generous, giving person. That, that's the way I saw myself. 
You know, I found out later that, you know, that was just all about me having, having somebody to drink with. And finally, it was, got to the point where I was the only one. I don't know about y'all, but I, the folks I drank with were getting on me about my drinking. And so that's, um, that's troublesome. But um, finally, in, in my situation, um, I went from that uh, Miller High Life and Jim, uh, Jim Beam and then Red Winston cigarettes to my last drink was uh, Maker's Mark and Budweiser and Winston Lights, you know. So I, I, I didn't, from start to finish, I didn't uh, migrate too far. But I didn't know that was going to be my last drink. But what happened was, um, you know, one more time that wife told me she wanted me to get out. And, you know, I did the same thing I always did. I started crying, and I started begging, and I started promising it, that I'm going to do different. But I, even I could tell that something was different this time with what I was being told. And so we did one thing different that we hadn't done before, and I talked her into, let's go to a marriage council. So we went to that marriage council, and I don't know what, she, what he recommended for her, if anything. He met with us together, and then he met with us separately. But when he met with me separately, he asked me had, had I considered Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I knew absolutely nothing about Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, somebody used the term drunkard uh, this morning. That, that was what I always heard. Uh, my, my parents had scorn for, for a drunkard. And uh, I didn't think that was me. I, I didn't know what an alcoholic was. I had a job, I had a home, I had a car. And uh, so I didn't think I was an alcoholic. And, uh, but I went. Uh, it won't the first, I went to the first meeting that was on the list and chickened out. And then I went to the, I, I decided, well, if I'm going to keep my family together, I better go to this Alcoholic Anonymous meeting. So I did. And, you know, and I was scared to death about seeing somebody that, uh, that I knew. I, I don't know why that was a bother for me. I had just moved to Rocky Mount from a hospital a year before. You know, that might have been a geographical cure. I don't know. We had a small child, and we moved to a new town. And, but I brought me with me. And, you know, so things didn't change. I mean, I, uh, I was really a, I don't know if you want to call it a spree drink or what you want to call it, but I had about four or five really bad drunks during that last year of my drinking. In fact, my last drink really ain't much to talk about. You know, that, that uh, the ones before it were. You know, I can remember the, I had, uh, I had a really, really bad drunk uh, around Christmas of 2000. I did what I always did. I ain't gonna never do it again, I, you know, I promise. And she said, okay. And so that was in December. Well, sometime in January, I went after work with some of my coworkers, and I had two beers, and I came home. And I thought, well, you know, I've got this thing lit, you know. And I was expecting to come home and she would be polishing up my halo. But she was furious with me because she saw what I couldn't see, that she knew what the next, the next drink it wasn't gonna just be to. And that, that's the way it always went for me, and I never could see that. So I walk into this meeting, not for the purpose of sobriety, and not for the purpose of, the, of uh, 
anything other than trying to save you know my marriage. Now I did love my wife, uh, but I think also, if the truth be known, I was I was scared of the financial ruin that would come uh, with divorce. And uh, so that, that gave me some extra incentive to do what the man said. <laughs> and so I get the courage up to go in this second meeting that I drove up to. And I walk in and what do I see but somebody I know. And somebody that I had, had, had worked with uh, before I ever moved to Rocky Mountain. And, uh, uh, and I'm like, oh my God. You know, I've been found out. And so, I mean, I was a, I was a bundle of, um, I would probably, I might have been crying back then when I told. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, some uh, friend of mine says they love to cry, but I'm not going to cry for you here today. But uh, I think I was crying back then because I was just so full of um, fear and emotions. And, you know, by the time I stepped into AA, I, I had not had a drink in about two weeks. Which won't nothing out of the ordinary for me. You know, I, I could quit drinking for two weeks. But I walked in and I saw this, this guy that I knew and immediately, uh, you know, the hand came out. And he was, he was very helpful. He started talking about 90 meetings in 90 days. And I remember kind of laughing at that on my way home. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I said I was an alcoholic because you said you were an alcoholic. And, uh, but I didn't believe it at that point. And uh, that, that group met, my home group met one time a week at that point. And I thought I would give them that one time a week, that Tuesday a week. And uh, within a couple of months, they added a Friday night meeting. And I can remember thinking, I've been coming for two months, doing nothing but going to the meeting. And I'm like, I can't believe they want me to come twice a week. <laughs> and uh, I heard my first speaker in that group. This just went completely over my head. It won't until I heard Wallace uh, about six months sober that, that I, I left out there with my jaw dropped to the floor. But I was impressed that uh, the people in my home group just sort of loved me and welcomed me and they let me, uh, in retrospect, I, they might, maybe should have been a little more firm with me, but they let me whine and complain about my situation. And I, I remember uh, uh, Chuck, uh, telling me one day, how about praying for her happiness? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, what about my happiness? You know, I, it, it's all about me, and, and and I never could see myself as uh, as a as a selfish and self-centered person. But fortunately for me, I I, I stayed and I didn't drink, and uh, I finally. Uh, began to take some action and I could see where I was selfish. And so like the first, um, the, the first place, the, the first example of helping others that, that I observed was the way the people in my own group helped me. And one of the main things they did uh, uh, to help me is they set, they set a good example. And uh, you know, they may not have known it, but uh, you know, as, as a newcomer, you know, my eyes are on the ones that are there before me. And uh, I was very fortunate to have, uh, I, I think uh, there was probably, 
I think I remember, I, I came in March, my sobriety is March 17th, I think in April, because the, the, we don't celebrate your home, your home group anniversary until the following month, if, if the meeting falls before your sobriety birthday pages, sobriety birthday is like March the 31st, so they were talking about it in April, and I remember he had 12 years at that time. I'm like, my God, 12 <laughs> years, Chuck had more than that. Uh, Sandy was right behind him. And uh, I mean, so these, as far as I'm concerned, were giants in AA to me at the, at the King to Believe group uh, that, I, that I walked into, I stumbled into. And so they were a big help to me just by, by being there and being sober and sharing in the meetings and, um, uh, you, you know, that's how, that's how the message was carried to me. Um, we also, um, they listened to me. They were good listeners, uh, even when I'm talking foolishness. And so I try to remember that today because, uh, you know, we get, uh, we get folks, we get newcomers in, and they, they, they may be like I was. They may be talking foolishness, you know, and, and it's, I'm not going to slap anybody down. You know, I'm going to try to be uh, a good listener and set the example like the example uh, was, was set for me. Uh, going out to eat, uh, fellowship, that, that was another way that I was helped uh, uh, in, in sobriety. Um, you know, I, I, I had, you know, here I am going through the, the situation I was going through and I have folks, you know, buying my meal. I ought to be buying, you know, somebody else's meal. They, they, were, they were taking me out. And, uh, and so that, that was a, I had good examples uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, for helping others. And so it, the longer that, that, that I've been involved, I was introduced in, into uh, more than just coming to the meeting and, and listening and perhaps sharing. I, I was uh, introduced into taking uh, meetings into the local prison. Now, I, you know, I didn't think that was anything that I would ever, you know, find myself wanting to do. I certainly would have never done that on my own, you know. I, I'm, you know, I've only, I've never been to prison. I've been to a couple of county jails for drinking. Uh, but I, you know, prison was somewhere I didn't want to go. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, these folks can't drink anyway, can they? You know, I, I mean, I'm just, just, just crazy, <laughs> crazy, ignorant, you know. Um, but I went. I was. I went to the prison. I got 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 my card and certified, and went to the prison. And uh, and you know, never once uh, did I feel uncomfortable. They were just uh, other men, other alcoholics, just like me. But for the grace of God, I could be the one uh, in that prison because for some of the things that I've done uh, when I was drinking. And uh, and so that ended up being a wonderful. Part of my sobriety was was taking the meetings into the prison. Now, you know, Greg read this earlier, the part that I was going to read. Thank you, but uh, I was sitting back there at the back, and I'm like, "Well, Lord, he done read what I was going to read." But, <laughs> but what it, what I realized was that all of these topics, principles, that helping others, home group, they they they're all intertwined with one another, and so. Going back to what Greg read this morning, as y'all done forgot it, uh, <laughs> on page 97, 
Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. And so, I mean, the foundation stone of your recovery, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, a, per, a person like me that historically is uh, all about me, what can I get out of it? You know, what's in it for me? Is there some benefit that I can get? Is there any money in it? Um, I remember, that reminds me, I want to thank River for my lunch today. I'm <laughs> sitting there today, but thank you. Um, you know, that's just a completely um, foreign concept to me. And, and when it's to help others being the foundation stone of, of, of my recovery, that's, that's, that's an important, important thing to do. And, uh, and so that's why I've continued to go to prisons now. We hadn't been in two years. I know at least uh, Angel has, has been back in. There's been some county jails that have opened and shut back down. Uh, but in the facilities that, uh, that I go to, we've been completely shut down for two years. And really no end in sight. Our uh, district corrections coordinator calls every week to see if we can get an update. And I think they've quit taking his call. Because they, they, they don't either they don't know or they don't want us back. I don't know. Going to the prisons uh, has been incredibly frustrating and incredibly rewarding. It's frustrating dealing with uh, the staff. Now some units you may have wonderful staff that, that believes in programs and, and believes in, in AA and you know they, they can understand that AA is not a class. You know, you hit out a lot, the A class, but um, my experience with the ones that, uh, that I've dealt with are not, are not so um, supportive. And so it's been frustrating dealing with them. And, uh, and it's frustrating in the meetings sometimes. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of disruptions. There's, uh, you know, love birds sitting over there in the corner. There's people that want to talk about, you know, how they're angry with the guards and things of that nature. But there's a core group uh, that are, are sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous and they want to have an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And, you know, we were told that uh, if, if the volunteers don't show up, those men don't get to have a meeting. And I always thought, I don't, I don't want to be the cause of somebody not being allowed to have a meeting because I was lazy and didn't want to go, you know, my feet hurt. And it's a long walk to get to, you know, where the AA meeting is. Uh, I've got, you know, there's something on TV I want to watch. You know, any, I can come up with any excuse whatsoever of, of, of doing something else. But, but you soldier on is what I've been taught. And, and invariably, when I would go, I would get, uh, I would get a blessing from it. Only the way I can describe it. And I'll say this, uh, I have been to many a meeting at Nash Correctional Center, Artillery Correctional Center, when I was going there. That was better than my own home group meeting. I, 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 the folks in my home group don't like to hear that sometimes, but it's the truth, and anybody that does prison work will probably uh, agree with that. Uh, I can, I, I'll tell you, we had a member of our group in, in Nash 
correctional institution that got transferred somewhere else. And he came back. And uh, Paige and myself were at the prison that day, and he owed, that guy owed his big book. And there was something outside of AA that, that we had our picture in the paper. Paige and I had our picture in the paper. The Spring Hope Enterprise. <laughs> Not a big paper. It won't, it won't the news and observer, but anyway. Um, this guy had cut it out and stuck it in his big book. And I, I don't know that book, big book had been with him to other units. And anyway, when he came back to Nash, the first meeting we were there, he opened that thing up to, to show us that he had cut our picture out of the paper. You know, you develop relationships with people, and uh, and and there's a lot of, of good sober members uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I want to uh, mention the Freedom from Bondage Conference coming up a month, about a month from now, March 11th through 13th. There's a table back there in the back that has a flyer. You can also put your email address down, and I will email it to you so you can register uh, digitally. But you will, uh, um, you'll find at that conference a lot of people that'll that'll be in attendance and that'll be speaking that have gotten sober uh, in prison, and, and now they're members of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they're members of home groups, and they're sponsoring people, and they're helping others, and, and uh, that because they got helped uh, in prison. So I do want to encourage everybody to, to stop back by the table and, uh, and register and come uh, next month to the Freedom from Bondage Conference. You know, another thing that we do for service work or to help others is we take a meeting to the uh, local treatment center. We have a, I've never been on a treatment center, so I've, I've always kind of felt like, ah, you know, but you know, I've never been to prison either, but, and, I, and I've just had a wonder experience with that, but I've never really enjoyed going to the treatment center. We have a little small one. It probably ain't as nice as, uh, well, I know it's not as nice as the ones that a lot of people go to that are more expensive, uh, but the little Coastal Plains Hospital in, in Rocky Mount. Uh, we go, and I mean, it's shocking to me that we'll go and they'll say, well, we don't have any, uh, we don't have any patients for you tonight. I mean, that, that's happened several times that we've gone, there's nobody there. They'll say, oh, we have mental health patients, that's all we have, we don't have substance abuse patients. And then again, you'll go and there'll be a dozen, and, uh, and I don't know that we've ever gotten anybody we, we, to, to come out and join AA as a result of doing that. But you know, you hear a lot that you might be the only copy of the big book somebody sees. You're planting a seed. That's, that's, all, that's what it's all about. You're helping others by planting a seed. And, uh, and God will, will do the rest. Um, I, 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 I hope I get it right. I like to say this because I was, it made such an impression on me. The, um, in, it was 2005. I went to the International in Toronto. If you, those of you that may remember that Tom, uh, Tom Ivester was speaking, uh, he's the keynote speaker, and uh, right, and Sarah had uh, went organized and held a bunch of seats for, for the North Carolina folks to sit right down front, and Tom came down off the, the podium and we had prayer with him. That was, that was a very powerful experience for me, but what he said in that talk, I've never forgotten it. And sometimes I, I get it wrong when I try to say it, but uh, he was talking about miracles in AA, and he said a miracle 
is when uh, preparation meets opportunity and God meets the introduction. I've never forgot that. And so that's part of what we're doing in helping others is we're trying to, to, to prepare. We're being prepared. Uh, that, that, that's, that's our job at Alcoholics Anonymous in carrying the message. And so we go to that treatment center um, religiously and, uh, and, and we try to be of help to those, those patients uh, that are in there. And we have, they do take a lot of literature. They, they, I mean, they, so I, we're planting that seed pretty good. I just, you know, have to pray that, uh, that it sprouts uh, at some point. Um, but that, that's just another way that we, um, we, we carry the message and be a service. We also have a uh, hotline. That, uh, that we operate in our district, and several of us uh, are on the, on the hotline, and, and the way that works is somebody calls up this number, and uh, they say they want some help. You know, folks are reaching out for help. And uh, so consequently, um, in the last year, I've had a couple of 12-step uh, calls we've been able to go on. Uh, Paige and I went to one a few months ago where the guy you know, he was, uh, you know, I could identify with the guy. You know, he was, he was overweight and he had diabetes and his health was bad and, and he, his feet were hurting and he was, um, he, I don't think, I think he slept and, and sat all day in that easy chair. He was hooked up to oxygen. He had a shotgun within arm's uh, length and he was smoking <laughs> with the oxygen running. So, um, they say that's dangerous, but uh, anyway, um, he wanted some help. You know, his, his, his wife, and I could identify with him. His wife was dead. He had a teenage daughter, and his daughter was disgusted with him, and, uh, you know, he wanted some help. But I think what he wanted is I think he wanted us to get him some liquor, but uh, <laughs> that didn't pan out. We didn't get a uh, we didn't get a new member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, but Paige and I stayed sober, and we were leaving that house. We were very grateful to be sober, because you know what I saw, you know, could have very well have, have been me. You know, when I was put out of my house in 2001, you know, my wife changed the locks on the door. And within 10 years of being an Alcoholics Anonymous, I had a key to her house. You know, the AA repaired that uh, relationship. Um, we got along better apart uh, than we did together. We, we, when, I, um, when I came into AA, my daughter was um, two years old. And uh, so we were able to be co-parents uh, for her. Now it did, um, you know, my fears of uh, financial consequences did come true, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, you know. With, 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 the, with Alcoholics Anonymous, I was able to do the right thing and, uh, and, and work through that. And so consequently, thanks to AA, when uh, right after my 10th, uh, 10 years sober, that ex-wife of mine uh, suddenly, unexpectedly passed away. And so here I was, left with a 12-year-old child, a daughter, to raise on my own. And you know, I never once thought about taking a drink. Um, 
I, I think I had quit smoking by then. I did want a cigarette real bad, but <laughs> uh, I never once thought about taking a drink. And you know, and I, I've thought about how, uh, you know, if, if I hadn't come into AA, I probably wouldn't even have gotten visitation with that child because she won't let me, uh, that was part of the reason she wanted me out of the house for good, is that she wasn't gonna have me bringing coming home drunk like I was and burning the house down and things, whatever could have happened, you know. She was smart. And uh, so when she died and, uh, you know, I'm sober and I stayed sober and, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, helped me uh, raise that child, you know. We helped people in our home group by offering uh, babysitting. And I didn't like really babysitting. Uh, <laughs> But you know, then I found myself in the need of babysitting, so I could go to a meeting. And eventually, when she got a little older, she became the babysitter for our group. So she was raising Alcoholics Anonymous. I took her to the International in Atlanta. And uh, she came back from that, you know, wanting to start an Alateen group. Uh, but then I think after that, she uh, learned to drink a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. But, uh, that's another way we plant the seed for our own family members. You know. we, can, we can be of help for family members in the event they, uh, they need us one day. You know. um, so if the, if the apple don't fall far from the tree, um, I'm hoping this generation's skipping. You know, like, uh, you know, my dad, was, my dad could, could fix anything. I could tear up anything. So I think it, it skips uh, generations. When I was a child, maybe seven, eight, nine years old, I wanted, there was two things I wanted to grow up to be. I wanted to, I wanted to be a preacher, and I wanted to be a farmer. Now, working in tobacco broke me of the notion of wanting to be a farmer. And I think drinking broke me of the notion of wanting to be a preacher. But um, what I learned, uh, it, is at one time I was a, actually a deacon in a church while I was an active alcoholic and I was, I was drinking. And I, I'm really ashamed of that. Uh, I mean, I went through the laying on the hands and all that and my mama was so proud of me. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm ashamed of, of allowing that to happen because I didn't have anything spiritual. I was a member of that church, but I was more concerned about uh, how much money was in the offering plate than I was about anything uh, spiritual. At the time I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I was unchurched. I wasn't even a member of a church. Um, what I learned uh, as, a, as a deacon at a Baptist church in, in religion was I learned that the, um, that the that Jews don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And I learned that Protestants don't recognize the Pope as head of the Christian church, and I learned that Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. <laughs> um, so, um, I am a member of a church today, uh, but purposefully, I stay away from the business side. Uh, of, of, I'm there for worship and spiritual growth, not for not be anything business, and they try to pull me into it, but I'm not, I'm not gonna let them, I've learned my lesson on that. Because, you know, 
there are people in church that, that know to help others. There's lots of programs in my own church where we, we help others and we do things to help others. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't learn that in church. I learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and so that's what, um, uh, you know, helping others is something that I've learned for, to keep my own sobriety. Uh, it's the foundation stone uh, of my sobriety in helping others. And so we do, we, we operate that hotline and we get calls and we try to go out and, uh, and we try to, to be of help to, to our fellows. And you know, it's not just in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, we can, we can take that principle as was just told to us before lunch. Uh, those principles, we can integrate them into our uh, everyday lives, you know. We can be, uh, be of service and be of help to people that we, that we work with, uh, our neighbors, uh, strangers. Uh, you can hold the door for anybody. You know, I have a problem with uh, other drivers. You know, I, that, that's if it's, anything can set my short fuse off, it's another driver. And I was, my daughter and I went on a cruise o over Christmas. And I went to the AA meetings on the ship and there was a guy from uh, Los Angeles and a couple from um, Washington, D.C. And here I am from Rocky Mount, and I, I said something about the, you know, it's the, I get the traffic gets me, and they're like, what traffic? You know, <laughs> they're from these big cities, and, I, and, I, and that sort of made an impression on me is that, uh, you, you know, I needed, that could, that could be somebody's grandmother driving that car, you know, and just because they're not going as fast as I want them to and doing like I want them to, you know, I need to, I need to take it easy a little bit. You know, I'm not being, I'm not helping anybody by flying off the handle and, and uh, maybe saying something ugly to me through the window or making a gesture to somebody. That's, that's not the person that I want to be. You know, those principles uh, need to be integrated into my life uh, daily. Because if, if, if I'm to be of help to, to somebody, um, you know, I need to maintain, you know, my spiritual condition uh, as best as I can. And so, you know, those are some of the ways that, um, uh, you know, something simple in early sobriety, like providing somebody transportation. You know, I, I've, I've picked up people and we've gone a lot of miles. We used to, uh, we used to go, I don't know, I hadn't been in a long time, but we used to go to uh, Steve's meeting in Raleigh every, every Thursday night, and, and we'd pick up a, I'd pick up a car load. And I don't do that so much anymore, and I'm, I maybe we've got some newcomers in our group, and uh, that's probably uh, maybe something I need to start trying to do to, to, to help that newcomer, is, is to let's start taking another meetings. You know, I don't know how many people have been exposed to the flyer for, for this for this conference, and I mean we've got a wonderful crowd here today. But you know there's, there's a lot of people in AA that don't do nothing but go to meetings. And uh, can you imagine how much better their sobriety would be if they would uh, take that newcomer and bring them down here, you know, to this meeting? Uh, just do do anything uh, other than just. Uh, you know, going to meetings. I, I'm just—it's just so rewarding. It's, it's helping others.
in my experience, is I mean, I hate to say it's his own reward, but uh, there's a definite spiritual benefit that I've received uh, from making myself available to, to, you know, to help somebody else. And so, when, when I was drinking, uh, that was not what was on my mind. I didn't, I didn't uh, it, it wasn't on my mind to try to help somebody. And uh, I, it was about helping, you know, myself. And so, uh, one thing I also want to read, didn't nobody read this earlier, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. And I've got a bookmark here. This was this bookmark was was made for me by an inmate in our Nash Correctional Center, uh, uh, AA group. He he made he makes bookmarks, and it's it's very nice. And I keep it in my big book. But there's this this a sentence in here that I think goes along uh, with this topic, and and it's something that. Uh, I have meditated on it uh, for a long time, and, and I would encourage you to uh, do that as well. It's from page 20. Listen to this. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. All right, that word constant, uh, I understand that because I have a history of constantly thinking about myself. <laughs> I know what, what that means because you know that, that's that's the way I have always uh, been. Uh, you know, we had a, a member of our group that used to say that, uh, that that the only time he's not thinking about himself is when he's thinking about what you're thinking about me. You know, so <laughs> I could I could identify with that. And uh, so the constant thought of others, and it says our very lives as ex-problem drinkers. So. That tells me that uh, the concept of helping others, it, it, it's, it's, uh, you hear the word paradox uh, in AA a lot. And so, you know, I'm helping others to give you some help, but what am I doing? I'm helping myself as well. And it's, it's not really this, the, this selfish uh, helping uh, that I'm accustomed to in, in, my, in my life. But it's, it's just a, the benefit that uh, you derive from, from doing the right thing and doing what you're taught to do and living those uh, spiritual principles that our previous speaker spoke about. It was mentioned that Alcoholics Anonymous um, is a way of life, and, and that's exactly true. If you live in Alcoholics Anonymous, then it comes natural you know, to help others. And then you also derive that benefit. So our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others. And, and it's not just the thought of others, because I can think of you and, and, and do nothing. You know, you, you, I think you've got to take some action. And what it says is, and how we may help meet their needs. So, I mean, that's a, that's a tall order, I would submit to you. Uh, to constantly think about somebody other than yourself and how can you help meet their needs. And I, and I fall short of that daily. And so it's one thing I like about a conference like this is it, uh, it gives me things to go back home and uh, meditate on and pray about how, how can I be a better member of Alcoholics Anonymous? How can I be uh, a better 
employer or employee, whatever your, your, your circumstances are. You know, how can I be a better parent? Uh, how can I be a better uh, family member? Because if, if, if my very life and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, ha I'm happy to be here and I want to be here for as long as the Lord will let me be here. But if my life as an ex-problem drinker depends upon my constant thought of others and how I might help meet their needs, uh, I need to take some action uh, to do that. And so I'm going to go ahead and close. I think I'm a little bit short, but that's, that's, I, wanted to, I wanted to close on, on that thought. And so thank you for inviting me to, to be here today, and thank you for the other speakers. It's, it's been a great uh, conference, and I look forward to hearing Bree. Thank you.